Good evening and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend's continued No Rest for the Fest coverage of the 14th annual SoHo International Film Festival. I'm Samantha Casessa and throughout the festival I am going to be chatting with all of our favorite filmmakers, creators, and stars of these movies. But first, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Sponsored by Black Magic Design, the world's highest quality products for the feature film, post, and broadcast industries. BlackMagicDesign.com. And by JMR Rentals, professional, digital, cinema, and broadcast equipment rentals in Brooklyn, New York. JMRNY.com. I'm here with Vivian Kerr, the director of Scrap. We are going to talk about this beautiful movie that she has directed. Tell me, Vivian, what does it feel like to be here at the Soho Film Fest for your premiere? It's very exciting because I was actually here four years ago with the short film version. Uh, so to be back four years later with the feature is very feels very full circle. It's very rewarding. And what are you excited about people getting to see from this movie? First, tell us a little bit more about the plot for people who may not know. And then what are you hoping we're all going to be able to get out of it once we get to see the movie. Uh, sure. Scrap is a dramedy. It's about a brother and sister. Um, and at the beginning of the movie, my character Beth has recently been laid off and is living in her car and sort of hiding that from her estranged older brother, Ben. It's a, it's a family story. It's a story about reconciliation. And I hope people kind of helps them reflect a little bit on maybe some fallings out or like, you know, family issues that haven't been properly worked through and maybe encourages them to pick up the phone and, you know, call their sort of estranged brother and sister or reconcile with a family member that they haven't talked to in years because the theme of the film really is that like life is really precious and short. And what was it like for you also being you know behind and in front of the camera at the same time? I mean I actually really enjoyed it. Um, it definitely took a few days I think of like wrapping my brain around how I was going to do that but I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it and I'm actually going to do it again on my second feature. Wonderful and lastly where can people find you online if they want to hear more about you and get excited for those upcoming projects? Sure. Uh, Scrap has a website scrapthefilm.com and we're on Instagram at Scrap the film. I'm here with Anthony Rapp, who plays Ben in Scrap. Welcome, Anthony. I know you're often on stage. We have you on screen this time. What is it like to be here at a film festival, especially during these crazy, crazy times that we are in right now in this industry? Well, I, I love working on film, but especially I love working on small, character-driven, independent film, which Scrap epitomizes. You know, done for the work, done for the, for the thrill of getting to tell a story and explore human themes. That's why I'm an actor, and you don't always get to do that on the screen. Sometimes you're, you know, running around shooting at weird bug creatures, you know. In this case, I got to sit across the table from Vivian and be mad at her as my sister. So I can see that you are repping sag for today. We are currently at an independent film festival that is part of the interim agreement. Will you tell us a little bit about what that is like and, you know, how you as an actor in SAG are working through this strike in other ways as well? I think it's really important that we have the interim agreement, which means that Scrap and all the other films that are being represented here have made an agreement with the union to uh, work under the terms that the AMPTP, the big, the big money dudes, are saying no to. So these small companies are saying yes to it, which proves that what we're asking for is not too much, and it also ensures that if these films have a future distribution of any kind, that they will be also held to, the, to that standard. So it's a way of sh demonstrating that what we are asking for 
will not ruin companies and will actually work for all people. Absolutely. Now, in getting into Scrap, I know that you shot the short and then the feature, and there were many, many years apart from that. What in that time did you get to learn about that character? Were there new um, challenges that you faced in playing him a second time in a longer in a longer format? Uh, really, Vivian presented a feature-length script that was so wonderfully rich and surprising that. I, you know, I know, when we did this short, I didn't even know that she had that idea or the notion of expanding it. So you'd never know how that's going to be. And happily, when I read the screenplay for the feature, I was like, this is wonderful. And it makes perfect character sense in every way. The, in particular, the journey that Ben has with his wife gets fully fleshed out and explored in the most nuanced and, and to me, very honest and authentic manner. And then I had the extraordinary pleasure of working with Lana Perea as my wife, who is a wonderful actor. Uh, so that kind of thing was the great surprise of getting to do, getting to do the feature version of the short. And then, honestly, Vivian, you know, as the writer, director, and actor, um, it was amazing to see that she could wear all those hats so effortlessly and elegantly and still be absolutely in the scene with me as an actor, absolutely understanding what she needed to be watching for as a director, and absolutely uh, always rigorous about the language and the text. So I don't know how she did it, truly, but it was great that she got to then step into that role as a director since she didn't direct the short. What are you hoping that the audience will get out of it? What are you hoping that the audience is going to be feeling at the end of this movie? Stories that tell the truth about human experience to me are in, in, always very important, but especially stories about people who are, you know, a little bit below the radar. You know, in, the, in this case, her character is struggling with homelessness, and in a way that, you know, it's not necessarily the way you typically think people are struggling with homelessness. It's, a, it's an under-examined, under-reported phenomenon that is happening for many people in the middle class of, of home insecurity. And that's one, that's one sort of big headline that at least pe maybe it'll start people thinking of becoming more aware of that and being able to support their fellow citizens who are, might be going through that sort of thing. And then another level uh, to hopefully be moved by the truth and honesty of the nature of the complicated, complicated relationships between Ben and his sister and Ben and his wife, I know I'm speaking about Ben, but it's certainly what she's going through with all of her complications, you know, the, those things I think and hope will resonate for people as they reflect on their own relationships. I'm here with Mel Harris, an actor in Queen of Knives here at the Soho International Film Festival. Tell me, Mel, how exciting is it to be here at Soho? What are you excited about the audience getting to see with this beautiful film? Well, as a New Yorker, it's beyond exciting. It's fantastic. And the film is great. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. But that the film festival chose us to be here and a part of their motion picture um, slate, it's very cool. And tell me about your character. Tell me about uh, what it was like playing that role and what you are looking forward to getting out of the audience, getting to react to your character as well. Uh, well, this is the second time I've played her because I also played her in King of Knives. And we're married. We're as a... Gene uh, Pope, our sort of godfather, has said, it's a very crappy family. And uh, you see that in the first one, and now you see what's happened to them after, uh, post-divorce. And I'm really looking forward to it, but shooting this film with this group, it's just like family. It's amazing. What do you think about, you know, being in New York? Obviously, we're shooting in New York, you're from New York, we're in New York still. How has New York become a character in this movie as well? 
Oh, it's all over New York. I mean, it's just all over the streets of New York. In lots of places you don't know, in lots of places you haven't seen, and in lots of ways you haven't seen it. What do you think the impact is going to be for the audience? What do you think is going to be the tone and the feeling that we're going to be left feeling after getting to see the movie? Well, I'd like to think that they think a little, they laugh a lot, and that they're glad they came. I'm here with Tara Westwood, one of the actors in Queen of Knives here at the Soho International Film Festival. Tell me, Tara, tell me a little bit about your character in this movie and what it was like to play her. Well, I just saw you interview the wonderful Mel Harris, and I get to play her love. So it was fun. <laughs> it was a great time. And the cast and crew, I mean, I really... I didn't know exactly who was in it before I showed up as far as the entire cast and I knew some people and I know Lindsay the writer and she's so great. So the whole process was a complete delight. How do you think the audience is going to react to this film? What do you think are going to be kind of the main feelings that we're leaving with after getting to see this? I think people are really going to enjoy this film because you know, it's about life and relationships and how that's all complicated, and it is. <laughs> I don't know anyone that doesn't think it's not, so I think it's something that everyone can relate to, and it's just a fun hour and a half, or I don't know how long it is. However long it is, that's how much fun you're going to have. <laughs> Amazing. This has been Tara Westwood with Queen of Knives here at the Soho International Film Festival. I'm here with Jean Pope, the creator and lead actor of Queen of Knives. Tell me, Jean, how excited are you to be at Soho? What was the path like to get us here? Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. I can't believe we have a sold out crowd. Everybody running this festival, this is the top of the line. It really is. And of course it's in New York, so I love being here. And the path was not always 100% sure we'd get here. It was one of those movies where we worked on it through COVID, and we weren't sure, and we'd be around to do this movie, and then finally we were, and everybody was wearing masks. And it was one of these things where we took a lot of chances with the script. We took a lot of chances with the story, but we wanted to tell our story a certain way. And that's exactly what we did, and we found that audiences are really enjoying it. And, it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm thrilled about how it came out. Thrilled. Incredible. And tell us a little bit about the story itself. What's at the center of this? What's at the heart of this? It's really about a family in Brooklyn, you know, and it's a, you got the adults of one generation, you got the two kids of another generation, and at, when we start this movie, they've all splattered to the winds here in, in, in Brooklyn, and they're trying to make their way and figure out, you know, well, I'm not, I'm different from my parents, and well, maybe no, you're not, and and they're saying, well, you know, I, I'm, you don't know anything, you know, the older ones, so it's like, and it goes around and around, and slowly but surely they end up coming back to the house where they grew up in. And once they get there, they realize they're having a dinner and everything that could possibly goes wrong, could go wrong, goes wrong. And that's the fun part of this film. <laughs> and it's clear from being here right now that you have such a big community behind this film. There is a big family element, clearly on screen, but also off screen as well. What has that been like in terms of the people you're working with? Oh, well, it's, I adore every one of these people I'm working with. We, a lot of us have worked together before. My producer, the director, Mel Harris was in the first film. Uh, it was, it was, it's a repeat of everything. Uh, my youngest, uh, Roxy, is here, and working with them is heaven. There's a couple of people who couldn't make it. You know, Alexandra Renzo, give a shout out to her, because uh, she, her part of Autumn is something to behold. And she just brought it to the stage. It's just like, you know, snapped her fingers, that's it. It was great. Great people, great, 
great crew, too. Wonderful crew. And the, the casting, Liz Lewis casting, they always have wonderful people for me to, to look in a room. And it's, uh, it's because of them. You know, all of those things have to happen. And my editor, Maria Cataldo, I just have to say to her, thank you. Worked with her for years. And she's like the strainer that takes all the stuff and starts forming it into a story that has the right pacing and, and makes it funny or makes it not funny when it's supposed to not be funny. You know what I'm saying? And that, um, so it's a group. It's a wonderful group that we got together here. We got to keep going, got to make more. You know? Absolutely. And on that note, tell us where can we find you online if we want to hear more about you and see what's coming up next for you. Okay, well, uh, you can go to uh, queenofknivesthefilm.com. Uh, and that, that has that. If you just, uh, in Facebook, you can see me as Gene Pope, Instagram, G, uh, P. Pope. Uh, and we're going to be, you're going to see us all over social media, believe me. We're ready to sign our, our distributor agreement, so we're ready to go full core, full bore, everywhere all at once. I have the pleasure of being joined by Jet Talentino, the director of Asian Persuasion. Tell me, Jet, what are you feeling tonight going into this festival? What are you excited about the audience getting to see from your film? I'm excited for those who haven't seen it. You know, they've been asking me, are you nervous? No, I'm not. I'm not nervous. I'm very excited for those who haven't seen it. And I want the audience to be able to take a step back, take a deep breath, and, you know, say, wait, wait, this kind of Asian storytelling is something new. Because, you know, we don't have any superpowers or any ninja kind of thing. This is just regular uh, New Yorker, but just Asian American. It could be anybody. And tell me about those everyday New Yorkers. Who are these characters that we're following? What's the central story? Yeah, so the story is centered on this down in his luck, frustrated chef, played by Dante Basco. And he is divorced from his 15-year marriage with Casey Concepcion. And Dante is so proud that he didn't even consult a, a lawyer. He just signed it. He signed the divorce paper and only to find out that he can never afford any of the alimony and child support. So he was like, wait a minute, how do I do this? So with the help of his swingman, played by Kevin Kreider of Bling Empire, they put up this fake uh, dating profile of of Casey Concepcion online. And then they found this, un, you know, this suitor in Paolo Montalban, and then Dante was coaching him on how to court his ex-wife. He knows everything, of course, from the flower, movie, uh, food. So Paolo and Casey are falling in love, and then Dante watched horrified, and he was like, wait, I still have feelings for her. You know, he wants to win her back, but he might be too late. You know, we as audiences have been missing these kind of rom-coms, these kind of stories that you're talking about. It has not been as common to see rom-coms as we have in decades past. What do you think has been missing about rom-coms, and what do you what do you think is the magic that makes those stories really click for so many audiences? Well, you know, because most rom-coms, as they say, they're all predictable. I can, I can assure you that you can never predict the ending of this film. Because I, I, like, I don't like any films that I can predict the ending. I don't like to read books. If, if my anticipation matched the ending, I don't like that. I want to be left like broken and uh, provoked. You know, that to me is art. And it has to be both ways. That we, we let the audiences be, participate in our storytelling and give them the agency to, you know, to follow the story. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Not spoon feeding. Precisely. And, you know, you are 
doing an amazing thing as well behind the scenes in that you have an incredible representation of cultures and communities from all over Asia. Tell me a little bit more about that process and if that was you know, a very intentional, important thing for you. Yeah, it, it was a very inten intentional thing. Me and my producing partner, Mike Eng, who, ha who happens to be our screenwriter, from the beginning, we had this sacred oath that we have to provide opportunity for our Asian-American filmmakers because it seems like nobody else is doing it. So if you don't do it, we'll just be left. And, you know, we focus on hiring uh, Asian women. We have 10 women department heads, and that's like unheard of. And, you know, and they're very grateful because they've been in the industry for over a decade and they've always been assistants. And like nobody gave them the deciding hat. So that by itself is a win. And we, yeah, we walk the talk. We have to make sure that uh, we continue on. 21 Asian countries are represented in this film. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. You are also a big music guy, right? Yeah. You are a Tony winner, you are a Grammy winner, you are, music has been such a big part of your career. To what extent is music part of this project as well? It is, it is a big part of, of all of my project actually because as a Recording Academy voting member, I make sure that I make spaces and I love the talent discovery. I usually just look them up on Instagram and then if I like them, I would message them and you know talk that I have this film. Because I like the process that I send out the artist, the script itself, and that the original composition is intentionally written and composed based on the script. So in Asian Persuasion, we have 22 songs, and 18 of the original songs were written specifically, specifically based off of the script. Wow. And so lastly, tell me about what you have coming up, if there's anything you want to plug, or just tell us where we can find you online and hear more about what you're up to. I'm on Instagram at jet.tolentino and also at Asian Persuasion Film. What's coming up is, we've announced it this already, I'm producing with Rosario Dawson for my next film, uh, Relive. Uh, we're supposed to do that on Guam this year, but then, you know, the super typhoon Mawar ravaged the island. So we're on pause. Hopefully we'll do that next year. I am joined by Dante Bosco, one of the lead actors in Asian Persuasion here at the Soho Film Festival. Tell me, Dante, what are you excited about when it comes to this movie? What about the story really made you want to latch on? Well, uh, I just, it's really amazing. My first time shooting in New York City, uh, and that was really, really kind of a phenomenal thing. And then also working with some great actors who've been friends of mine for many years, uh, like Paolo Montalban. We've known each other since our days in L.A. and as, uh, you know, cool young actors and us finally getting to work together in the film like this and really great and Casey Concepcion is a celebrity in the Philippines and I've known her mother and her and so really working with them has been really wonderful and then getting to work with Jet Tolentino the director and Broadway producer so being a part of the Filipino community and the whole what's going on with Asians in Hollywood over the last few years and being this golden age and really being bringing the Filipino stories to be a part of uh, the rising tide of what's going on. It's, been, it's really phenomenal. Absolutely. We also, this is a rom-com, which we have not seen as much of in the past decade or so. Rom-coms have been not as popular as they were before that, but we know that they are loved and missed by audiences. What do you think has been missing about rom-coms lately that we're bringing with this film? It is true. Uh, that's also one of the things that attracted me to the project, because it's, it's my first rom-com, actually. And when uh, Jet offered me the film, I mean, to play the lead in it, I, I really was like, it was cool. I mean, I get to be a father and uh, rom-com. I think a lot of us 
are, you know, it's a guilty pleasure, these rom-coms that we've all grown up with. And I just think, you know, I don't know why, I don't know why they've been gone for so long. But it's great to kind of get my shot to do one and, and uh, you know, I don't know, I'm like, am I supposed to be funny? Is the is situation funny or am I funny? Or is it just all so sad that it's funny? I don't know. Culturally, this film, just from behind the scenes on the screen has so much representation from tons and tons of different Asian communities and cultures. Was there anything personally for you in the film that you're like, wow, that's so cool that I get to see this. This has been a while, if ever, that I've seen this on film. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't, I, you know, I can't wait to see how it turns out, but again, like you said, like the, a, a bunch of different cultures in the film, Kevin and Celia, Korean and uh, Chinese and Filipino, like all of us kind of interacting and having subtle differences of what's going on, but inside jokes, and it's, I can't wait to see it all on screen together, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm just as excited as everyone else to see the film. Amazing. And what do you think the audience is going to feel? What do you think is going to be the main takeaway? Um, are they going to feel more reflective? Are they going to just have laughed so hard, maybe cried, or some of all the above? I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm just an audience member tonight, so I'm going to be rolling uh, on taking the ride with the audience, and we'll see. And we'll see how we feel. I, I hope uh, people can kind of feel a little love, a little hurt, a little all that, you know. Everything you're supposed to feel in a rom-com. I look forward to all that. <laughs> Amazing. And finally, tell me, where can we find you online if we want to see more from you, hear about what you have coming up and stuff like that? Yeah, just, you know, uh, you can follow me on IG and whatnot at Dante Bosco, or my TikTok is hot right now, Rufio Zuko. So check it out. I am here at the Soho International Film Festival with Casey Concepcion. Tell me, Casey, how does it feel to be here at Soho, and how excited are you for people to get to see this movie? I mean, it's absolutely amazing. This is a full-on Asian-American production from from the front of the camera to the back of the camera, all Asian, all Asian-American, and I think that was such a feat. It was really such a feat, and we overcame every single obstacle, and now we're here, and let's just have fun. It's a fun-loving movie. It's nice and light and, like, young and just fun, so it's great. It's nice. It has a little Filipino touch to it. I'm, a, I'm actually Filipino, um, and it's just, I feel like it's really, there's really a lot of space right now for Asians and Filipinos, and that's absolutely amazing. Was there anything in the film, you know, in Filipino culture where you saw that in the script or once it was on screen, you said, oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting to see this I on mean, screen. a thousand percent. I mean, it is an American film, and yet it has kind of like the heart of the Filipino, and I just found it so great to be able to have the opportunity to do a movie like that right now, like 2023 is the year for that, you know? It's just such a great feeling to actually be Asian and to have these mainstream stories and we don't need to be like the superhero or like the token sort of, you know, it's, it's our story, like we have our stories too. And we are Asian and Asian Americans too. And you know, it's just great to be able to tell a normal person's story and not be typecast, it's just like, one ethnicity, one race. It's, it's really nice to be able to do that. And yeah. what about your character specifically stuck out to you and made you so excited to get to know her better? I mean, really, this is about a divorced couple trying to see if they're going to get back together or not. And I think there's just so much love amidst the hate and just all of the things that come with a divorce. To be able to, you know, talk about forgiveness, but also there's just, it's, it's a crazy film. It's a fun film. Just a lot of heart as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And lastly, where can we find you online if we want to hear more about you and follow along? Well, you can follow me on Instagram, Christina with a K, Concepcion. 
So, yeah, and I'm all over my socials. I'm on YouTube and everything. So I'll see you guys there. Perfect. Thank you, Casey. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We're so excited for you here at the Soho International Film Festival, and congratulations. Thank you. I am joined by Mike Ang, the incredible screenwriter of Asian Persuasion. Mike, I wish people could understand just how crazy the vibe is in here right now in terms of the excitement for your film. How does it feel to have this huge community of people behind you celebrating your movie? It just feels like love, and, and that's what this movie is about. It's about love. It's about second chances. Um, it's just about, you know, just being human. Uh, I, I know it says Asian in the title, but it's actually just about sharing our experiences and similarities with each other, you know? I think what's really been missing is you don't really see a lot of uh, Asian rom-com, Asian cast rom-coms that actually are just about a normal story that doesn't really have anything to do with being Asian. I think that's part of what's really important about um, the messaging of this movie. It's almost like we share the same experiences. We're Asian. If you're not Asian, it doesn't really matter because we all grew up here in, you know, if we're Americans, we're Americans, we grew up in this, in this country, and we share similar experiences, and we're all human, so we all make mistakes, and we all want second chances. What particular cultural, you know, traditions, references were you wanting to make sure had a place in this film that you had not seen before? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I moved to New York about 16 years ago, and um, it's really become my home. And so what I really wanted to do, and I've always loved this in Hollywood, is all these classical New York love stories. And I wanted to kind of take that and, and do something with it and, and kind of create my own classical New York love story. I don't know how classic it's going to be, but, you know, let's just wait and see. <laughs> and you have such an incredible team of both on screen and behind the screen. You have an incredible representation of Asian cultures from all over. Tell me about what that process was like for you and, and if there was you know, a lot of intention behind making sure you had that. Sure, so from the very start, my uh, co-producer Jet Tolentino and I, we said no matter what, the most important thing for us was to create a movie that at its very core DNA was very authentic. And even if that meant making it a harder film to shoot, even if it meant making it harder for us to find the right people. We prioritize women first, people of color, and LGBTQIA+. So literally for us, that was what we wanted to do. And even if it was a hard thing to do, we wanted to get it out there because my, my opinion's always been you have to bring up our community and we can't do that without all of us working together. And what do you think the audience is going to feel walking out of this? Do you think they're going to be uh, tear-soaked? Do you think they're going to be stomach hurts from laughing, a little bit of everything? I think it's going to be a little bit of everything. This is a very different rom-com than I think other ones that I've watched. Uh, I think it's got, you know, I, I won't spoil the ending, but, but you know, I, I, like, I like endings where you kind of have to make a decision for yourself. Absolutely. And lastly, tell me, Mike, where can we find you online if we want to make sure that we are following along with everything that you have coming up? Yes, yeah, so our movie is uh, on Instagram, at Asian Persuasion Film. Thank you so much for joining us for our special coverage of the Soho International Film Festival here in New York City. If you enjoy our content and you'd like to see more, please visit our website at norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. I'd like to thank everyone who came out to chat with me during the festival and a special shout out to our sponsors, Black Magic Design and JMR Rentals. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Samantha Cassessa and we'll see you next time. <laughs>